Welcome to the Twinkle Talks EYFS podcast. Working in the early years is busy, funny, messy and exhausting. Join me, Shana, some of the Twinkle EYFS team, special guest speakers and other early years practitioners as we talk honestly about our experiences. Whether you're listening for CPD, on your commute or to help you relax, Twinkle EYFS will share everything you need to know about all things early years. Hello lovely listeners and welcome to another episode of Twinkle Talks EYFS with me Shana. Now today we're really lucky we have got Julia and Louise from the early years CPD team here at Twinkle coming to tell us about a really important and complicated subject. It's about executive function. So let's get ahead and get straight in. Let's pass on to the girls. Hi, Julie and Louise. Thank you again for coming back. Happy New Year. Lovely to see you. First episode of 2024. Oh, that's crazy. 2024. Are you sick of people saying that? Like... Are you part of the gang and groups of people that go, oh, first purple 2024, <laughs> and all of that? I've never heard that. Or oh, is it just me? Oh. Just you again. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, who's doing that? <laughs> like, this is the first thing you do. Like, oh, first um, packet of crisps of 2024. <laughs> you know, whenever you do something in New Year, it's a new... No, it's not really. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I, okay. I just try not to write the date wrong. You know, oh. you're like writing in your diary or something. It used to be worse at school, obviously. It was like for the first two months, it was like 2023. I would say I've only just got hold of writing 2023. <laughs> now we're writing 24, and I'm like, no, I've lost it. <laughs> there we are. We are here. Thank you. And we're talking about something pretty um, clever today, I want to say, that actually affects our everyday life and the ones of our kids. But Weirdly, when you say the two words of the title, a lot of people don't know what it is, right? Mm. Executive function. Yeah. Well, it does sound, it's not your everyday words, I would say. Like, that's why we're talking about it as well today, because it's not very obvious necessarily what it is. But executive function is also talked about in conjunction with self-regulation. So you might hear those two phrases together. And there's a lot of things that overlap there. So when we explain what they are, we'll probably reference self-regulation as well because self-regulation skills are built on executive function. So just keep that in mind. See, this is the thing, isn't it? Because me and you, Julia, we did some little research ourselves, didn't we, about this, just to have a look beforehand. And we um, looked at the DOV child development training stuff mm-hmm. and they mentioned it there as well. And actually, executive function, before you tell us what it like, the, the definition, it's literally the starting point of all learning yeah it's so important you're like oh it's essential this is pretty essential and yet not a lot of us know about it so come and enlighten us ladies what is executive function (laughs) okay so it's the mental processes basically that enable us to focus our attention to kind of juggle multiple things in our head at a time able us to remember instructions and also to plan So it's made up of three main elements, working memory, so the ability to hold information and use it, cognitive and mental flexibility, which is just the ability to kind of like switch gears and shift our thinking in response to kind of a change of situation and to new rules, and also inhibitory control. 
So the ability to control our thoughts and our impulses. So these are things that we do absolutely every day as adults. And it's things that we learn as children. So we're basically born with the ability to develop these skills, but we're not born with these skills. So that's why it's so important that we support children in developing them. Isn't that crazy that we're born with the ability to develop them? We don't actually come with the skills. No, but it's like a lot of skills, right? Like we have the ability to develop a lot of things, but we're not born with them. But this is the thing. I think a lot of the executive function skills are taken for granted. I certainly, mm. when I learned about it, I was like, oh, you just you just know how to do that. And actually it's mm. like, no, that has to be learned. We have to teach mm. that. Can you give some examples of the types of executive function <laughs> things? So, for example... Basically, when children are problem solving might be a big one that you'll see. So when they're problem solving, they're going to go through quite a bit of a process because they might be firstly a bit emotional about not being able to do something. And again, that's the ability to control their impulses and not just necessarily give up and control their thought processes and start to think, okay, what other ways can I do this? And then they'll start to use their cognitive and mental flexibility to think about different ways to solve that problem. And they'll use their working memory again to kind of hold the information, what they do know is working, what they don't know is working and different ways to solve that. So that's one of the ways that they'll use it. And they'll also use it to plan things. So again, something that we'll do as adults a lot. Oh no, you're frozen. I haven't frozen, I'm just really- Both of you were like- <laughs> I was so still, <laughs> I was stunned by your information. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I've lost them, I'm gonna have to do this again. No, 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 I'm still here, I'm just really concentrating. Yeah. My, what's the thing? The, my focus skills, my executive function Yeah, focusing. You, you were processing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, I mean, those, those elements will come up a lot for children and it's so, so necessary for them to have those skills. So you'll see a difference in children that might have developed it before they come into your setting if they are struggling with a challenge. So that's something to notice in your setting. If you give children like a new experience or challenge for them to try out, um, for example, like a puzzle that they've never done before. Some children you may notice might just sit there for a very short period of time and get very frustrated that they can't put pieces together really quickly mm -hmm. and that they can't just figure it out. And that might have been because they haven't done something like this before and been supported to kind of take their time and like look around and see like, you know, that they might just, the first thing might be, the possibilities might be the wrong direction. And they might just need to face the way up, for example. But they'll have to deal with the emotions of not getting it right straight away and the frustrations of that. Some children find that very frustrating and that's, it can be hard. And then start to be supported in how they can do it. So, I mean, it does depend a lot on how adults have interacted with them at home and previously. And if they haven't built up those skills, that's, yeah, again, why it's so, so important that we support them in doing that. I was picking up something quite interesting there because I've always been, as an early as teacher, I've always been really torn between showing them how to do it and letting them find out for themselves. Mm. Because I think there needs to be a balance mm -hmm. because, of course, it's really important to let the children explore and see if they can figure it out themselves. But on the other hand, they've only been on this planet two, three, four, five years. They're not going to know everything and sometimes they're not going to figure it out. But mm -hmm. if you show them once, twice, you actually model it and you show them, that activates their, and you're working on their working memory. So actually, it's not always a bad thing to show a child what to do. Is, is this kind of why? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, this is essentially scaffolding in a way, you know, what you're talking about. It's finding that balance between what children already know how to do, what's too far out of their reach, and then what they can do with support and a little bit of help, because that's still extending their learning, still challenging them, but not so much that they completely frustrated and can't do it so that puzzle if no one was to ever show them how to do a puzzle or to ever support them and how to might I mean they might just get too frustrated and never look at it again exactly and that's puts them off forever and then they just have this bad attachment to it I remember when I was in reception one year you know when you get those advisors you know education advisors come in so I had a early education advisor come in and we'd set up all of the child initiated learning and in one of our areas, I think it was our construction area, I had put foam shapes out on the mm. floor for them to explore. But then I also put uh, one that I'd made, I'd like uh, organised a couple of them to make it look like a rocket because we were learning about space and then the rest were just out. And then after the observation and she'd come and had a look, the feedback the advisor gave me was don't make the shapes into a rocket because you're giving them ideas. And, you know, they're just going to copy you and they're not going to learn anything. And I was like, well, no, I'm just in sp- I'm role modeling. I'm scaffolding. Mm. I'm showing them what they could do. I'm not just going to leave it there and just be like, oh, great. Actually, for some, it depends on the child, really. Because mm. if a child has never built a rocket before out of shapes on the floor, great. Of course, I'm going to leave it there. But if they want that challenge, I can be like, right, what else can we make? It's just, yeah. you know, what if a child has never seen giant glittery foam shapes before and has no idea how to play with them? There you go. There's there me showing you. So I was always really conflicted by that view. I think it's really contextual. I think, you know, sometimes people come in and say, don't do this and don't do that. But it really depends on the children and what they've experienced before and where actually their needs and, you know, goals are. You know, it's totally different if you see you're putting a rocket there every single day and they're just building rockets and you're getting stuck in this loop of rockets. I mean... I feel like she needed to ask more questions about why have you put that there and what is the purpose of putting it there? Because I think maybe she assumed that there was no purpose and you just put a rocket for no reason. Mm. Or something. I don't know. It just seems like there was yeah. not enough conversation around what it was. And I don't think that's fair to say, like, don't put that there mm. without that conversation. And it's kind of the blessing and the curse of early years, isn't it? Because I'm pretty mm. sure our listeners are listening to thinking, yeah, that's happened to me. Or, you know, that's something mm. someone's happened. And it's like early years and and the way children's brains develop is so unique Mm. and so different it is quite hard to juggle all at once and then you get things like executive function and you're like oh okay where do we start but i suppose we start here at executive function why why is it so important to start with these kinds of skills yeah they're just so so important i mean you might notice as we're talking that these are things that maybe you still struggle with today yeah honestly because like there are things about you know emotions are hard honestly planning things are hard it's hard to keep things in your brain at the same time as other things you know these are all like lifelong skills and that's why they're so so important so basically really interesting fact is that executive functioning skills are needed for long-term progress and make more of a difference on children's long-term attainment than maths and reading wow yeah because they need need those skills in everything that they are doing and so it will affect their long-term attainment i mean when you think about it it makes sense doesn't it because if they can't if they haven't got good working memory if they can't plan and problem solve then what is the point of even moving on to academic subjects and if they're struggling with self-regulation and and how Mm. they're feeling about things and they're going to really struggle with everything aren't they so like that conversation we were having about the puzzle, if they're constantly getting frustrated and upset and then they leave it, 
then they're going to start associating that with challenging things and not feel like they can take on challenging things. And when you're little, you need to learn a lot of challenging things. Mm. And that will make all of those processes so much harder. So it's so, so important. So basically, by developing these skills, you're supporting children to grow as learners. That's what you're doing. No, I agree with you. I was just about to say, it sounds like we're teaching children how to learn positively. And also deal with change and new experiences, which again, when they're little, there'll be so many. Mm. You know, transition has a huge impact on them when they come to new settings. I mean, we don't know how many settings they've been to before sometimes and how many they're going to be afterwards. But again, that regulating their behaviour, that will have a huge impact on how they deal with those new experiences and those new adults and how, like, you know, their learning develops. So it's, it's so, so important. It's just a massively big subject. I'm just like, where do we, like, where do we get this? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, just trying to think of, like, maybe as a parent or, you know, as a student or even a new earliest practitioner. You know what? No, even just an earliest practitioner has never heard this before. It's been like, whoa, hang on a minute. Where do we even start here? So as a practitioner or as a parent, when you're watching your child engage in something and develop and grow, what kind of things would you look out for? Because you can't really measure executive function, can you? Like, how, how do you know if they're struggling with it? How do you know if they're on the right track? Like, what, what can you, what, it, what does it physically look like? Well, there's a huge amount of different things that you can look out for and, and that children may present with. For example, things like finding it very difficult to start new tasks or tasks on their own, being unaware of where to start in something, and then obviously finding it quite tricky to sequence the steps afterwards. Finding things like open-ended tasks quite a challenge. And going back to things like Julia's example of, you know, the puzzle, not knowing almost where to start, which puzzle pieces to pick up, what it's going to make at the end of it. So that's quite an open ended task if it's all just spread out and they haven't seen the bigger picture so it that would be quite a challenge not knowing which bit to start with and the steps to see solve it themselves they uh, might present with managing their emotions they might find that quite tricky if they if they find something a bit challenging then it's sort of how they would process that and how they would deal with that so they might have low emotional control they might find following complex instructions quite tricky so for example things like two or step challenges so you would need to be thinking about breaking things down into smaller chunks and doing one thing at a time to develop that sort of the resilience and the idea of knowing that there's several steps and how to process that of course there's so many things and they might find social interaction quite tricky and then obviously there's transitions they would find parts of the day may be challenging if you think of say for an example having a, a lower working memory and then having to deal with the steps to get ready for lunch we think oh get ready for lunch but involved in that it's something's coming to an end something new is about to happen. You've got to wash your hands. You've got to line up. You've got to move to a different part of the the building. And there's so many steps involved that if you're finding executive function quite tricky, that transitions would be a huge part of the day. And we know that there are massive 
amounts of transitions in a day of things coming to an end and new things beginning, let alone obviously the transitions between year groups. Mm, I feel like the first five years of your life is like an entire just it's constant transition, isn't it? It's just <laughs> something happens every day is a new it's day. It's quite a lot. It's crazy. It's quite overwhelming for children sometimes. I was just about to say, as an early years practitioner, I was knackered. Let alone, you know, and I was a fully grown adult who kind of not only expected these things, but half of them I planned because I was the blooming teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Overwhelmed me. So these poor kids who probably, you know, haven't really got a clue. It It must be mad. I'm just thinking about, you know, when you're saying about spotting the different signs of perhaps where they need support with executive function. How do you tell the difference or is there a difference or is there a connection between struggling with different skills of executive function and things like autism and ADHD? So for example, when you're talking about working memory, well, that's a common symptom of ADHD that they struggle with working memory. So how do you tell if it's just executive function or it's actually something more? I think that's something that you can never tell straight away what it is. And we'd always advise you to go to like your Senco for support and things like that, because that's that's something different that if you think, you know, that's a concern that you might start to have, you just might start to note it down a little bit more and take spend more attention thinking about what it is and what situations they find difficult. And if there's also any other kind of things that they're doing Mm. that you find noticeable and then I would yeah I would talk to your Senko about it because there's no way of knowing especially when they're so young because like we said they would have had really different home experiences Mm. and that will have a big knock-on effect on their executive function so there's Mm. you know in some cases it might be that children have never had the chance to really develop those skills yeah might be presenting in that way But they're so, so young, it's really, really hard to say black and white. Oh, yeah, of course, that's something else. You can't. It's about creating a picture around the child, isn't it? And like like you've said, you know, looking at the wider picture as well and getting people to to, to feed into your knowledge and understanding of of how a child is maybe presenting in in your class. Yeah, I think it's really hard, don't you? Like, I think that's one of our biggest struggles in the early years is I feel like we are all really well qualified in in brain development and child development and things like that but it's because the brain like you say is still growing it's still developing it's really hard to find out well actually is this just part of the development process Mm -hmm. and they're still developing it or is there actually something underlying here and it's it's a big juggle I knew it was always a big worry for me when I was um, an early as practitioner like oh is this a sign of something or is this just part of their development and it, can you imagine as parents would probably yeah. feel that worry too because I would have a lot of parents who come to me and would go oh you know they're not doing this yet or I've noticed they're not doing that yet and it's just like oh it's a lot isn't it, it so is Senko mm-hmm. and also just I mean something that I had in my setting was someone that managed it would say you know we don't actually start putting like EHCP plans and things on until they're a certain age because mm. so much change happened and I did have a very young girl that was like showing a lot of signs but then once she moved into reception totally different child like wow. she had just grown a lot and developed a lot and it's just it's we can only support them with where they are it depends mm. on every child basically like every child yeah. is different and it's just we do the best we can basically yeah it's hard it's really hard because I feel like we see a lot more of it necessary than other like later year groups mm. because we're the first setting that they often yeah. come to yeah I agree challenge. again coming from the parent perspective so much happens in this first five years mm. that it's it's 
crazy and you know especially if it's your first child yeah you have no idea and mm. i hope this episode will at least give them a little you know a little first step in right this is you know executive function let's start here and then they feel empowered like you say to go and talk to their nursery key worker you know their their reception teacher the senko of the school there's loads of um child care charities as well that have more advice on this so it's just good to talk about it i suppose and ask yeah there's no harm in talking about it good okay so what i want to talk about next then is as a practitioner what can we do to support learning the skills of executive function for our children well i think the answer to that is lots <laughs> imagine if that was the only answer lots of things thank the you end. bye good night <laughs> lots of things but also there's lots of things that will probably talk about now that are already happening day to day in a classroom they're not separate activities to everything else that they are normal day-to-day things that lots of people will already be doing in their in their routines in class so I think one of the first things is you want children to feel safe and secure feel confident in whatever setting that they're in so securing really positive attachments is key so spending time getting to know children getting to understand you know observing them getting to understand them as individuals is fundamental to everything because once you've got a really good understanding of where children are and children feel confident and safe in the environment that they're in every day then they'll be feeling comfortable to have a go at things and to ask for help if they need help so I would say that's one of the main things that really is fundamental then there's loads of different things like modeling and scaffolding which we've already touched upon to support self-regulation aspect and you know knowing that everybody finds things a little bit tricky sometimes and challenging but this is how we go through a process to solve a problem so actively listening and talking through steps as you're modeling it children need to see that adults are processing things as well as as well as themselves regular and consistent routines and things from very young children even loads of different games that you can use to develop a working memory so even games like peekaboo with a baby that's developing a working memory it's challenging babies to understand that something is hiding understanding facial recognition and that when they appear it's quite a surprise and it's exciting and learning reactions and how to feel about that so even games like peekaboo from very young is developing a sense of working memory lots of imitation games like clapping and copying and you think of those five minutes before lunchtime or something in your in your setting and you've got five minutes while everybody's washing their hands or something so playing sort of games like clapping and copying games will develop short-term memory skills and obviously that will feed into other things other games to develop listening follow the leader simon says and your favorite game shana Mm -hmm. kim's game brilliant for developing working memory i can actually feel my brain hurt playing that game do you like if my nursery nurse plays it (laughs) well you have to build it up yeah and i'm like oh no they've taken like it's like when you get to level two or three and they've taken two objects away and you're like oh no i can't remember and you can feel the cogs like like it's yeah yeah so i think with a game like that it can be really challenging kim's game can't it but again you would build that type of game up over time so you'd probably start with few items out in front of children and only one gets moved even you could remove it 
and then put it back and then show them again so so that they get to see see it quickly go away but then see it come back before they guess so that's a very simple version of Kim's game and then obviously there's the moving them around or removing two things so obviously those are those are the sort of the more complex versions of games like that but games where children have to use their working memory to um, solve a problem are brilliant for this obviously reading and storytelling lots and lots of that because stories form a sequence you have to follow a plot and getting children to share something that they've done so it's sort of like their personal history of something that they've done and trying to order it into sequence and you can start that with just using photographs of something that they've done together pretend play lots of role play obviously helps with imagination but also within pretend play there's loads of decisions you have to make about which character you are and what you're going to do and developing the characters that you're playing and also alongside that it helps you to become focused on what you're involved with so avoiding getting distracted away so pretend play is very good for that and that gradually over time children will be able to play play pretend play and role play for longer periods of time and then there's things like cooking and craft and following instructions to make something and breaking and chunking activities up so there's loads and obviously singing there's so much so much (laughs) why why is singing good for executive functioning um because you're learning something alongside actions in a sequence so again it's building the understanding of sequences and things like predictable rhymes and finger play, things like incy wincy, for example, it's exercising the working memory because they're developing an understanding that something's going to happen. It's very stimulating. And I would say because it's got actions to go alongside it, it's supporting the steps in in the actions Hmm. or in the songs you know what i'm noticing of all the examples you've given i don't know maybe it's just a me thing but don't you feel like as adults we go back to these like when you're talking about crafting and i just feel like oh these are the things that we like to do as adults now and we want to keep practicing these skills or they're just they're lifelong skills they're lifelong skills definitely definitely i think that it's always good for us to, you know, try new things. I think that's why you notice that you grow so much when you try new things and you do something different and you have to essentially use your executive function. Like if you're doing something that's really difficult and you're getting frustrated, like even as an adult, you have to be like, okay, you have to kind of control your thoughts and be like, I can do this. It's going to get a little bit hard. That's okay. I'm a beginner. You know, these are all, you're using those executive function skills. So I think that you'll see lots of patterns because we still need them today. And also, as you develop, you learn the skills that suit you best. Mm. For example, if I'm learning something new, I need visual clues to help me to sequence things. And I need those to go alongside things to help me to build up my confidence with something. Whereas other people might use chunking. So just Mm learning one bit and then moving on to the next yeah you start to develop what suits you best I'm a great list writer as well that's a great way of holding things and using something to help you it's weird isn't it I think it's also very cool but whatever the activities we go back to if we're adult or a bit older or just things that we enjoy doing it's because like Julia said it's not just because it's easy but it's because we picked up on the skills that we're good at that we've practiced that we can regulate and that we know even though it's a challenge there's 
the reward at the end and that that makes us feel good so we always go back to those things like the amount of times i've tried to sew things right i've tried to make a frock or something and oh my god the first time i've got holes in my fingers i'm bleeding you know and it's there's some points where i'm like oh it's really frustrating Mm. but then i kind of put myself back together and then if i keep going and i actually make that piece of garment i'm like oh i made that okay now i know what to do next time yeah i mean it's just essential for us as learners whether you're a child whether you're an adult we need these skills to keep learning. I love it. And clearly it's something that we do already because all of the yeah. things that you were saying that we should be doing to help executive functioning, not one of them is not something I don't think any of us don't do already in our earlier settings or even at home, like puzzles, sequencing, all of that. I think it's just mm. naturally inbuilt and we do it anyway. So yeah, it might just be something that's nice to circle back to if those children are struggling. If certain children are struggling with it, then maybe just break those down and take them one at a time. There we are. Great. I mean, have you got anything to help support like the practitioners in terms of maybe learning more about it or going through the steps? Yeah, we've got things online about executive function. We've got a nice video, a nice handout, and we're going to do some more resources as well for suggested activities. And we mentioned attachment as well. So we've got some lovely things on attachment as well as curiosity, creativity, and the power of play, which might be really nice supporting resources. You want to find out more? Great. And we already know you've got a wealth of self-regulation stuff to go alongside it yeah. too as well. So we can put links to all of that if you want to do any more further learning after, which is great. Fabulous. Shall we play a game? Yeah. Oh, I love a game. <laughs> oh, we always like our games, Shana. <laughs> Okay, so this is a little game I like to play when I want to warm up my brain or warm up the kids' brains if I'm teaching. They're like brain teasers or riddles. Are you ready to try your hand at riddles? (laughs) Here's the first one. What gets wetter the more it dries? I'm trying to think. It's not paint. No. Is it like rain related? No. (laughs) Um, What dries? Clothes. (laughs) This is going to be a long one. the more it dries sometimes it helps to say the question again and again it does i've said it three times now do you want to say it four times <laughs> i don't think it's gonna help <laughs> what gets wetter the more it dries <laughs> i'm like you know the last the last day of school yes I'm, I'm that yeah we're delirious yeah. that's that's where i'm at right now what gets wetter the more it dries this is your last chance you're going to kick yourselves when you find out no i can't answer it it's a towel oh that's clever isn't it Oh my god! <laughs> it gets wetter the more it dries a towel. Come on, guys! Well, I think it's very clever, but I don't think we're going to be able to answer these, are we, Julia? I'm not sure I even get that one. <laughs> Shut up! Oh my god! My brain is like, not today, not today. What is there? One of in every corner and two of in every room. Is uh, no, that's obvious. What? Come on. Say it again, Julia. There's one O in corner, there's two O's in room. What is stronger than steel but can't handle the sun? I don't really like this game, if I'm honest. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh Aha! How do you feel? (laughs) Fine. Next? No problem. I need to know the answer. Ice. Kate's mother has three children. Snap, Crackle and Pop. (laughs) Kate. Kate! Kate's oh mother has three children. Snap, crackle, so and Kate. Clever. Oh, it's not. I thought we were just talking about Rice Krispies. I know. 
I have a tail and a head, but no body. What am I? A coin. A coin. Oh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> what two things can you never eat for breakfast? Uh. Ha ha! <laughs> Suddenly got very competitive. Yeah, well, that, that started with you. <laughs> yeah, it's my fault. What can you eat? What two things can you never eat for breakfast? Two things? I have no idea. No idea. Julie, I don't feel like you're really paying attention because you're now doing <laughs> She's doing her nails, mate. This is She's me like... thinking. I'm doing something while I'm thinking. It's like a fiddle toy. It's yeah. a working memory thing. She's actually showing great executive functioning skills right now. <laughs> uh, it's lunch and dinner. Uh, okay, no. I st I st no, I don't agree with that. Because it's have you a ever riddle had? for children. I get, stupid. No, stupid. I get it. stupid. I get it. Because you can have leftover pizza for tea and have it for breakfast. So you can have dinner slash tea for breakfast. And it's bloody good. So. I, I never do that. I'd say a salad, actually, because I would never have that for breakfast. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I've had noodles for breakfast before in Asia. Okay, this is this is a good one to end on. Are you ready? What can you hold in your left hand, but not never, never your right? The right hand? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> you can, yeah, hold hands with yourself. No, you can hold that in your left hand, but you can't hold your right hand. <laughs> Never in your right hand. Never. Well, can you hold in your left hand, but never in your right? It depends hand. how. It depends how skilled you are. I think. And, ain't nobody skilled enough on this planet to do this thing that it's saying that no oh. one can do. It's like beyond physics. Um, Julia was getting close. Julia, don't fall asleep. Don't do that to me. Your your left your right wrist. Closer. Down a bit. Your. Right elbow? Yeah! Sure. I still think the right hand, the right hand should have been the answer. I agree, actually. That was also an acceptable answer. Double points. I thought you said the left hand and the right hand. That's Don't what put you this can on me. hold. And I said you can't hold your right hand in your right hand. What can you hold in your left hand, but you can't in your right? Uh, your right elbow. Mm -hmm. There was too much to the rights and lefts in that question. <laughs> oh, God. Thank God that's over. Great. Cracking job, guys. I've learned a lot. I feel inspired as always by you. And I look forward to the next episode. Thanks for having us. Oh, bye. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thank you. Could you tell we got a little bit delirious by the end of the episode? I don't know what I don't know what happened, but I hope you learned a lot about executive function. It's probably something that we're going to be talking about more in the future. And if you've got something that you want to talk about or you want to add to, please get in touch. We are always open to suggestions from you, lovely listeners. There's over 22,000 of you now, which is madness, but very exciting. So come and join the conversation. Come and join us on social media. And I'll see you for the next episode real soon. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. 
If you would like to join in or would like to know more, then come and find us on our social media sites. We have a Facebook page, Facebook groups, an Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube. All the links of where to find us will be in our podcast description. Come and join the conversation. And whatever you're doing today, I hope you have a great day.